Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you in God's house. I love the presence of the Lord. Isn't he wonderful? I... um funny story when we were first practicing this song I mean when I first heard this song the song would like wreck me every time and um, as we were getting ready to do it here I kept bracing myself I'm like Lord you got to help me because I can't just cry through the whole song so we've done it a few times already and uh, it hasn't happened but today it happened and I was just kind of laughing at myself because you can't run away from who you are that's true uh, but I just, anytime we talk about the goodness of God, it moves me. I love him so much. And um, I'm so honored to be here today to get to share with you some things that God is speaking to us on freedom. We've been talking about freedom. And it's been so powerful to see people begin to walk in it fully. And the first week, we are actually on part three today. The first week we talked about how sin keeps us from having the freedom that God designed us to live in, how it keeps us in bondage. And last week, we talked about how God wants to give us freedom from the baggage of pain, pain from our past, from things that have deeply wounded us. Now, if you've been with us, you've heard those things. If you haven't, I want to encourage you, if you get our app, you can go on there and listen to the sermons from before, the previous sermons. Or if you listen to it already and you want to just make sure you grasp all of it, make sure you get that. Um, This week, I want to talk to you about freedom in an area that God truly wants us to experience, the freedom of peace and joy in difficult times. We all have different battles but we're often tested in the same areas. And today we're talking about freedom from fear, doubt, and worry. Fear, doubt, and worry, something that we all face all the time, right? Every one of us has dealt with those three three things, and some of us are really good at harnessing them, right? And putting a stop and saying, okay, I'm not going to go any further with this, getting it under control. But for some of us, it can feel like a constant struggle, to survive or just to keep the faith. And I want to tell you that there is a way to conquer those thoughts and feelings and to not let them dominate you. There's a way to live free of torment, of a constant worry that something is going to go wrong. There's a way to be at peace in the midst of all of the what-ifs of life. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word that is quick and powerful And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And today, God, we ask that you would cut away the things from our minds and our hearts that are not from you, the things that hinder us, God, from growing. We ask, Lord, that as we hear today, that nothing would stand in the way from us hearing your spirit. God, that your word would take deep root in us and bring forth much life and fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin at John 8. John 8, 31, and it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We've heard that phrase a lot, the truth will set you free. But this is something that we can't get familiar with. He says, if you accept my what? My word. And you live in accordance with it. 
then you're truly my disciples. You're truly followers of me. And you will know the truth. So only by that will we have the understanding of truth, and then we will have our freedom. So why was this statement so important? It's because he was saying, stay connected to my word. If you stay connected to my word, if you believe it and you do what it says, I will help you understand, sift through the feelings and the doubts and the worries and bring you to a place of truth, of a higher understanding of what I'm doing with you. What's really happening? Now, let me ask you this. Can your feelings lie to you? Yes, yes we know that. Have you ever felt a certain type of way and it's painted a completely different picture for you than what was really happening? This is why it's important that we don't allow that to lead us, that we stay grounded in what the word has said to us in scripture. When we fail to stay connected to the scripture, we begin to drift further into our own thoughts, our own reasoning, our natural minds. With our limited thinking, we can end up down the wrong path very fast. We start thinking, you know, we get just kind of comfortable in ourselves and thinking, well, I know how this is going to play out. And we start seeing things in such a negative light. And then we start to feel anxious and we start to feel worried. And when in reality, when we, when we try to pray about these things sometimes, the way that we pray about them isn't in an effective way. It's in a worrisome way. And this is what God is reminding us of in Romans because our natural minds can actually be enmity toward God. Romans 8, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out in the open into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Now, why did I pick this scripture? Because in this scripture, it's talking about how sometimes we get so much into our own selves. Like we think we have something figured out more than God that we start to worry about it. When he's instructed us, don't worry. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. So here, scripture keeps us on the right path. Another scripture that says um, the same is 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So this uh, confirms that we're limited in our thinking. When we start just thinking on what we see and we try to reason how something is going to go and we don't go back to the word and use the scripture to enforce the principles that God's the promises that God has said to us we begin to open the door for doubt fear and worry another one is Isaiah 55 8 my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So the reason I went so heavy with that is because it's very easy for us in the moment. When something happens, when we're in a crisis, when we face something that's a challenge in our daily life, in real life, it's very easy for us to get immediately engulfed in our thoughts, immediately engulfed in what we're feeling in the moment. 
I'm worried about what's going to happen next. Scripture anchors us. Scripture anchors us. We have to stay anchored to the word because that is what helps us to not go off in some crazy direction and allowing our feelings to move us. When we all know about a bank, when you go to put your money in a bank, you make a deposit, you can trust, or at least most of us can, that your money's going to be there. You don't, like, I don't go and make a deposit and think to myself, somebody's going to walk in and take my money out. No, because there are certain assurances and rules in place and agreements that your money is safe in there. And I mean, this is like in the natural. And sometimes we forget God is a God who doesn't lie. God is a God who doesn't fail. And he's given us promises. He's given us assurances. He's made an agreement with us. And we begin to worry about what if he's not going to hold his end of the deal? What if this doesn't work out for me? What if it ends terribly? And so we have to slow ourselves down. And one thing that I like to say is that there is scriptural encouragement and direction for every single problem and challenge that you face. Every single one, there is a scripture that can counteract what you're facing and can encourage you. When you're facing a health scare or you feel like your life is threatened, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When we feel anxious, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Now, I want to pause here because prayer is a powerful weapon. Prayer, along with our thanks, along with our uh, reading of the word, these are all our weapons against the things that we face. And it's our means of communication with God, obviously. We can do it directly with him. We don't have to use somebody else. I, I feel like that, I know for some of us, goes without saying, but I think it's important to remind that we, we can go directly to God, give him everything that we need, say whatever we need to say, and he'll speak back to us. And what this scripture is saying, there's two parts to it. The first part is that there's an exchange that's happening. You do, you, you do the first part. You, you tell God what you need. You're thankful for what he's done. And then you can experience the freedom that you're looking for in the second half. So the principle here is prayer is a time of exchange. You should never leave the same when you go into prayer for, for at the end. Like you should be leaving with something having happens in exchange. And I heard somebody say recently, which this is a quote, he said, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. The real point of prayer is a time of exchange. Come to me with your weighty stuff and I will give you my light stuff. There's an exchange. If you come to Jesus and you leave feeling the way you came in, you weren't praying, you were complaining. Prayer makes an exchange. Prayer takes on the heart of God and sees a matter from his perspective. That's the whole purpose of prayer. So I thought that was so worthy of just stopping and saying this is the importance. When we pray and we get in his presence, he gives us clarity to see things from his perspective. So that's where we find our freedom. So again, with the word, when there's something that you face, there's always the scripture for it. Feeling alone or abandoned, John 14, 18. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. If you feel afraid, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, I really liked that um, translation, but of power and love and sound judgment. 
having doubts, Psalm 94, 19, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And I think, you know, it's, if, if, if we could just stop and see how these people that we, we look to in the scripture had the same issues, they had doubts. That was David, who was such a repentant man, a man who had a heart after God. And when I read that, I said, when, when doubts filled my mind, that means he at one point was riddled with doubts. Your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Maybe you feel like everything is going wrong and your future is uncertain. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Because the enemy always, he always comes the same way. He tries to get you so turned around about something and you're trying to think 20 steps ahead of how it's going to play out. I want to talk about a person in the word. His name was Jairus and he was a leader in the synagogue. And he had asked Jesus to come because he heard about him. He said, I want you to come. I need you to pray for my daughter. She's 12 and she's dying. And on the way, while they're on the way to the house, a woman who's had an issue for 12 years, she's been sick for 12 years, and she's on the way there, and she just happens to get close enough to just touch his clothes. That's it. And the moment she does, she gets healed. And it was instant, and I thought, man, all she did was get close. All she did was get close and touch his clothing. Now, I know we've heard that before. Maybe we, we, we've heard it, but I just, like I thought, Sometimes just our proximity to God can bring the freedom that we need. If we start pushing, because when you have the understanding that Jesus has the answer, God has all the answers. When we get close enough to him, stuff just happens. And as we get closer to Jesus, things get better. And I thought to myself, this woman was so full of faith in her proximity to Jesus, her faith accelerated her healing. And her freedom was in her faith and her closeness to Jesus. And I think that's something we can learn from her. But for Jairus, he's watching all of this. He's witnessed all of this. And he's still waiting for his miracle. And what I think is so interesting is the turn of events at this point, right? He gets a, the messenger comes from his house and says, don't even bother asking because your daughter is dead. So don't ask him at all. What a hopeless feeling he must have felt in that moment. And I think, what about some of us who have felt the same thing when we are praying for a breakthrough? We're desperate to see change in something. We start feeling anxious about it. We start having doubts about what God is doing in our lives. And we look around and we see somebody else getting the healing. We see somebody else that looks like their marriage is great. We see somebody else who has got a great relationship with their kids. Or we see somebody else that has the job promotion that we're like, man, I wanted that, you know? You, we all go through these feelings of like, wh where am I, God, in all of this? And it's important to note what happens next because Jesus overheard the conversation and he said one simple statement. He said, don't be afraid, just believe. In some translations, it says, don't be afraid, just have faith. Now, I tried to put myself in this man's shoes and think about that. The desperation that he must have been feeling, the sadness, the hopelessness, and to hear somebody say, don't be afraid, just believe. When I'm thinking limitation, like, my, like this is where things are. Daughter's dead back home, you know? 
But then having this moment with Jesus where he speaks life to him and says, don't be afraid, just believe. So let's see what happens next. Mark 5, 37. Then Jesus stopped the crowd, and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? Or in other words, in today's vernacular, why are you all in your feelings? Seriously, like this is where society is today. Everybody gets all in their feelings, and it's justified. Like, it's okay for me to be all in my feelings. You know, I'm, I'm in this moment, and I need to have my moment, and for my mental health, and all this. Like, don't believe the lies that you can be led by your feelings and be led to a point of, of freedom. So the next part is, the child isn't dead. She's only asleep. So now he speaks truth. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Now, I think it's important to note the part where he had people leave. Because the significance of that is that he created a space for there to be only faith in the room. And there are moments which you need to create space to foster your faith. Create the space to foster your faith, to get rid of the noise, get rid of the emotionalism, whatever's going on. Sometimes that involves us having to step away and get quiet. And say, God, speak to me. God, strip away whatever's going on right now in my feelings and help me to see clearly by the Spirit. So something else that stood out to me is the number in both situations. In both situations, the woman had the issue for 12 years and the daughter was 12 years old. And that number in the word represents God's power and authority as well as governmental foundation. And I think to myself, when we come out of this thing where we let our feelings dominate us, fear, doubt, and worry dominate us, we step into a place of now I'm going to allow God through me to govern what's going on in in front of me. We step into a place of authority and allow God's power. I'm not saying we have the power. Without him, we don't have the power. But when we step into position by his word, he's able to fully Um, exercise his authority and governance in our life so that puts our feelings in check the scripture says all power and authority have been given to Jesus so this was a demonstration of God's power and the freedom that there is in our faith the more that we can understand that God stands ready and waiting to walk us through any situation the more we can truly experience his freedom I want to tell you a story, and I know I may have shared this before, so some of you may have heard it, some of you not, but I felt led to share it. When I was about three months old, my father lost his job, and that was at the very beginning. Um, He had been here just for a few years in the country. He had married my mom. You know, he had um, tried to do his best to work hard and create a a nice little life for all of us, all three of us, and... um, he lost his job, and it was in, a, in an ugly way. It shouldn't have happened the way that it did. And he came home, and he had to tell my mom. He came home early, and he had to tell my mom that he had lost his job, 
with her just having given birth three months ago. And so I was thinking, wow, like that must have been hard for him. And what my mom was must have felt when he came home early, like, what are you doing here so early? And um, so anyway, he tells her what happened and she asked a very normal and legitimate question. So what are we gonna do now? What, and some of us have these questions all the time. What happens next? Where is this going? Where does this end? These are all normal questions, but I love what my father said to her. He said, we're going to the beach. We're not going to worry about it because God has a plan for us. And that's the culture that I grew up in. It was a culture of faith, of dependence on God. And the beautiful testimony about it is that one week later, I asked him yesterday to make sure I had the details right. One week later, he, God led him to a job and he, over the years, gained such favor, he now owns that business. And it has blessed him, blessed our family, blessed this church over the years. And even through the ups and downs, like I've always seen my dad and mom say that God is faithful and he's going to take care of things. And, you know, I think that's where we have to push to always be because the trials and the tests will always come. They're, they're a part of life. Trusting in God's plan leads to freedom. There is freedom from worry, anxiety, and fear when we choose to trust God. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. The feelings follow the choices. It's not that we live in denial to issues that may surround us. It's the acknowledging that because we have God with us, we're not alone. It's not to say we don't ever have these feelings or that we're not tested in them. The enemy's going to package it differently, but the goal is the same result, to get you to embrace worry fear and doubt to get you bound in your own thoughts so we have to be aware of it and lay it down just like we talked about the baggage last week offload it you don't want to hold on to that you don't want to adopt it into your way of thinking and doing life another favorite scripture of mine is Romans 8:28, which says and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good all the, for all of those who are called according to his purpose when you look throughout the word and you see men and women of faith that have all had doubts, fears, and different anxieties, and you see how they navigated out of it through God's direction, I challenge you to do like a Bible study on that, on the different people that went through different things and how God led them to a place of freedom. There is a freedom that God offers us, but it's contingent upon us not just seeking, but accepting and believing we have to capture our thoughts. We talk about that often, but it's something we really have to discipline ourselves to do. Capture your thoughts, bring them under submission to God and his word, and then make those exchanges in prayer. When we make those exchanges, we learn what God says about us, and we choose to be free. We reject fear. We reject doubt. We reject worry, and we don't allow all these things to color our world. I want to give us an opportunity today to make that exchange. 
I want to give us the opportunity not to just say, well, God, I hope that's for me, you know, and, and, and not really make a transaction. It's important for us to offload. I think there's power in our, in our actions. There's power in our understanding what we're doing. It's not just throwing up a prayer and hoping that things get better, but saying, God, I don't want to carry worry. I don't want to carry fear. I don't want to carry anxiety. I don't want to be led by my emotions. I want to be led by your spirit. And when we can get before him and say, God, I give all this stuff to you. And I ask you, Lord, renew my mind. Help me with my unbelief. If there are doubts in my mind, God, I give them to you. If there's anything within me that's not pleasing to you, God, I give that to you. And I ask you to make me over and help me to be led by your spirit. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.